Or if you guys want to be turning in your Bible this morning to the 23rd Psalm, Psalm written by the hand of David. You know, I shared something on <coughs> Wednesday night that, that Robin had shared with me. I think it was something that she saw on Instagram, some kind of post. It's funny, but it's true. It said if the Apostle Paul could see the Church of America today, we'd be getting a letter. Yeah, anybody that knows about the 13 letters of Paul and the letters to the churches especially knows what that's talking about. And, it, and it's funny, but, but well, it's funny and it's sad because it's completely true. But, but the honest truth is we already have a letter. We don't, we don't need for Paul to, to write us any more letters. We have all 13 of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches and to individuals. But the Holy Spirit preserved it and, and he gave it to us, the church. We have the, the letters that Peter wrote. We have the three that John wrote there in the back. We, we have the letters that James wrote. The Bible opens up with five letters written by the hand of Moses, followed by one written by Joshua. So what we need is not another letter. What we need is, is the obedience to the one we have. We, we, don't, we don't need more. We don't need more <clears throat> reproval, rebuttal, rebuke, um, blessing. All we need to do is pay attention to, to the letter that we have. We look Last week, we have seven letters that were personally dictated by Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, personally dictated seven letters to the church. Now, we know what we have in these letters because we know the Bible tells that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We know that it is profitable for doctrine and, and for reproof and for correction and, and for instruction. We know that because the Word of God tells us those things. We know that prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but, but it came by holy men of God as, as the Holy Spirit moved on men and the Holy Spirit spoke to men and, and they wrote these letters. And so we have this incredible book of, of letters. This is a collection of letters. It's a collection of poems. It's a collection of songs. Everything in it <coughs> involves glory to God. Everything about it is designed to help us be what we are designed to be, and that is the image of Christ for the glory of God. Everything was created by him and for him, for his glory. And, and so we, we have these, these letters. David himself is, is called by God, the man after God's own heart. That's a pretty good title, isn't it? How, how many of you would like to have that title? That God himself said of you, that's a man after my own heart. Now, now think about that for a minute. We're not talking about a perfect man. We're talking about, about a sinful man just like you and I. I mean, the Bible doesn't hold anything back when it talks about David and, and his adultery. The Bible doesn't hold anything back when it talks about David and his sins and his failures and his family problems and his own son tries to kill him. And his, the Bible doesn't hold anything back when it talks about it. It makes it clear David is a man like you and I. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that he is a man after God's own heart. What that tells me is I can be that kind of guy. But David, in, in the midst of all of his poems that he wrote and songs that he wrote and 
worship and, and praise and the things that he wrote. He wrote here in the 23rd Psalm that the Lord is my shepherd. See, that's a very important statement. If we can't say that, we're in trouble. If the Lord's not your shepherd, you need to change some things. You, you need to get some forgiveness and grace and ask God to save your soul. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm not adding anything to it by saying this. I just want to emphasize the Lord is my shepherd. I want to emphasize because of that, I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, because I've trusted him, because I am of the sheep of his pasture, and for that reason I shall not want. He says that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, it comes with a promise, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I, I want to look for, for a few minutes this morning at, at a message simply titled, how close. Thank you so much, God. Thank you for this letter. Thank you for your book. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for us, God, for these, your people, that we come together and purchase with the blood of Jesus Christ, that we come together as one. God, I pray this morning, would you speak to us? I pray you'd draw us near. I pray your spirit would move upon every heart in this place as only you can do. I pray you'd help us, God, to be pleasing to you, God. I pray you'd help us draw closer in a way that Lord, that the worship of your people would inhabit your praise and or praises of your people would inhabit your, your, your presence, God. Would you, would you move in this place, Father? We love you, God. You've been so good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. God's people said amen. There, there's a bumper sticker. Most of you have probably seen it, and some of you <coughs> may have it. I saw it a couple days ago, reminded me of it, and it, it, it asked a question, I saw it on a pickup, it asked a question, do you follow Jesus this closely? <clears throat> if you have that bumper sticker, don't be offended when I bump your back bumper. I, I, I'm just telling you, when I see it, it makes me want to get so close, air can't exist between my bumper and yours. It's not because I do, it's because I want to. Y'all with me? So the honest answer to the question, do you follow this Jesus this closely? No, no, I don't. But it's my desire to. Everything in me wants to. And you say, well, if you want to, then you will. That's not true. Just because I want to doesn't take out the battle of the mind that I deal with every morning when I get up. It doesn't deal with the battle of the mind of things. It doesn't deal with the battle of the flesh that continues over and over and over every single day. So the question this morning is how close do we follow Jesus? We talked about it also on Wednesday night. We, we were <laughs> looking at the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about if you are indeed saved, then you are indeed filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we surrender to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will lead our lives. And if the Holy Spirit is leading our lives, then we will do things pleasing to God. If the Holy Spirit is leading my life, then my life will be pleasing to God. That means that anything that I do in my life that is not holy, that is not godly, that is not spiritual, that is not in the image of Jesus Christ, that is an area of my life that I have chosen at that moment not to let the Spirit lead my life. Hello, good morning. It's still Sunday. It's all good. So, so in anything that, that, I, that I do that, that is non-Christ-like is an area, is something that I have chosen not to let the Holy Spirit lead me in because the Holy Spirit would never lead me to do anything that is not Christ-like, correct? So, so here's, here's some encouragement. It's not just our desire to follow God. It is God's desire to lead us. Therefore, if our desire to follow him is strong enough, we already know that it is his desire to lead us through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he will help us accomplish what we want. Now, our text says that the Lord is my shepherd. Now, if, if that's true, then it's going to be my desire to follow him. And I already know that it is his desire to lead me. Now, Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 18. And he says in verse number 11 that the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He came for you and I to save that which was lost. Of such were some of you. Verse number 12, he says, how thank you. If a man have a hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray. Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that one which is gone astray? Now, verse number 11 makes it perfectly clear that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the reason Jesus came, to save that which was lost. Now, I've heard this a lot of times, and you have too. I, I've read it. I've seen it. And so I can only assume that it's true. I'm not a shepherd. I don't know any shepherds. I've never been out there. I actually have met some shepherds. Wasn't much of a conversation because they didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Spanish. And we were in the middle of the mountains in up in Colorado and I was elk hunting. And all I really wanted to know, I mean, if they live out there all the time, they had to have seen Grande El Toro. That's what I want to know. Where is this guy at? And I just say, Grande El Toro. And, and, and they go to point, and I'm like, oh, gracias. And, and I'm headed that way because they saw him. So I, I don't really know. I didn't, I didn't have a conversation. But I've always heard that it, based on the story that if, if a shepherd lost a sheep, if one of them, and can I tell you, you don't have to be a bad sheep to get lost. Now just, just work with me, man. I mean, you're over here, and that little clump of grass right over there looks pretty good. The devil ever show you any clumps of grass? over there that looks pretty good and, and I think I go over and get on this little clump and and, and about the time I get there and, and take a bite I say oh, oh look at yon how green that one is and and before you know it the sheep didn't really mean to get lost he just got caught by the things that were presented that weren't over there with the flock 
What happened was he took his eyes off the shepherd and he got his eyes on the stuff. And before you know it, he didn't wander off and got lost. He didn't mean to. Now, sometimes they may have meant to, but for the most part, they really just, they got led astray. And so the, the story says that the shepherd would go find the sheep because the Jesus said they'd leave the 99 and go find the one. And they'd bring him back. So he, and, and he'd leave the one back. But if that little sheep <clears throat> wandered off again, and he didn't pay attention to the surroundings, he got lost again, he'd go find him and he, he would carry him. He'd bring him back. And he's instructing that sheep. He's trying to help that sheep. But here's where the story goes. It says that if that sheep got lost again, that the shepherd would go find him. Now, he's not going to roast him yet. It comes to the point that he might get roasted, but not yet. It says that he would go find him, and that he would break that sheep's leg. Now, he would have to pick that sheep up and carry it back to the sheepfold. And when he gets it back to the sheepfold, now he's going to have to carry that sheep around for a while. He's going to let him down and let him eat. But what he's doing is he is teaching that sheep to, to stay with the shepherd. Now, we're in our, our modern-day culture, and so right out the gate, we say, oh, that's so sad. Oh, that's so pitiful. He, he broke the, the little sheep's leg. Well, the truth is it's a picture of love. As sad as it may be, and as painful at the moment for the sheep as it may be, it is loving something enough to do what is necessary to help it learn what it clearly wasn't learning on its own. It, it, it is allowing some, some pain. It is, a, it is loving something enough to, to allow it to go through some things to, to, to help it learn the benefit and the necessity of following the shepherd. Anybody have children? Anybody ever spanked them? Was it because you wanted to? It was because you had to. Well, you probably had already taught them to count about 50 times by telling them, I'm not going to tell you again, right? Rob, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't that guy. I'm going to tell you one time. I'm going to waste my breath. You do it again. We just went right on the business. I don't have time to tell you four, five, six times. I hear people in Walmart. Well, I ain't in Walmart. But I hear people all the time. I ain't going to tell you again. I ain't going to tell you. And I want to go, how many times did you already tell them that? Which tone of voice is it that's going to help them understand? This is the last time I mean it because you just said that too. See, reality is there, there is a time. And, and, and breaking that, that sheep's leg may have been some suffering for the moment. But it was simply trying to, to teach that, that sheep something. But, but, but it goes on. It helps me to understand that, that if God is, is allowing me to go through something, then it is so that he can teach me something. If God is allowing me to go through anything, it has to have been allowed by God. Nothing happens in my life that doesn't come across the desk of God. He just doesn't. The devil cannot touch me. It says there's a seal upon our foreheads. Satan cannot touch us. We belong to God. We are property of, of God. We have been purchased by the Lamb of God. We are sealed with the blood. Satan and all of he cannot touch you. He can do nothing to you. You see it in the story of Job. So if God is allowing something in my life, and God is allowing me to go through something, he's simply doing it so that he can make me stronger through it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. But then he says, I shall not want. And that doesn't mean I'm never going to want worldly things. If that was true, Georgia's still in the hunt. The Braves won the World Series. 
I, I, have, I have some different deer mounted on my wall. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? It's not that there's not some worldly things that we're not going to want. That, that's, that's, that's not what it's talking about. It, it doesn't mean that we'll have every worldly thing that we desire. It, it means that if the Lord is my shepherd, that, then I will follow him, and, and he'll take care of the things that I need, but I'll learn to want what he wants. I said, I'll learn to want what he wants. You know, when a herd of sheep, a flock of sheep, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. But, you know, when, when they travel around, they don't, they don't travel around looking for something to eat. They don't travel around looking for stuff. They, they don't have Google Maps in their phone. They, they have not subscribed to Onyx. They don't, some of you hundred, everybody's like, what is Onyx? They don't, they don't have down, uh, Onyx downloaded in their phone to pinpoint all of their best feeding spots in all of their best watering spots. They, they don't have to know all of that stuff. They just follow the shepherd. They don't have to look for grass. They don't have to look for water. You know what else they don't have to look for? They don't have to look for wolves. They, they don't have to look for the enemy. They don't have to look for trouble. All they have to do is follow the shepherd. They have no concerns about what they'll eat or drink. Jesus talked about that. Matthew chapter 6, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He addresses the Pharisees in verse number 25. said, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. He says, take what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Verse number 26, he says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are, they, or are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking, by taking thought? That, that's by worrying about, by taking thought. Which of you can add one cubit to his stature? We can't make ourselves any taller. We can't, we can't change. He says in verse 28, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, and neither do they spin. And I, I say unto you, Jesus said, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Three times in that chapter, Jesus says, take no thought. You know what that means? Don't worry about it. I got it covered. Don't, don't worry about a thing. If you follow me, don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about it. I, I, I've got it covered. See, he, he, don't, 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 sheep don't go around taking thought about what they're going to eat or, or, or what they're going to drink or, or even, even thought about protection. That's what the shepherd is for. Here's my problem. And unfortunately, there's the possibility of one or two people, God help you, being like me and having things figured out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody already got some things figured out? Do you know how much money you need? More than I got, right? I got it figured out. I mean, God, if I just made this much, you know, that'd take care of that. If I just had this much in the bank, somebody buy a Bible and help me out. If I just had this much in the bank, boy, I wouldn't worry about stuff. You're right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, we, we got things all figured out. I, I don't know why God don't just listen to my prayers and answer them and everything will be okay. Anybody like me? God bless you. So, so reality is we, 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 we spend time trying to figure things out and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that, how we're, we're going to work it out. And we spend all our time 
praying and asking God to do all this stuff when the reality is God has a plan. And it does not need our opinions. It just needs to be followed. Oh, right between the shoulder blades. Y'all hear me? God's already got a plan. And, and he says that it's for my good and for his glory. Everything that he does is for my good. He loves us. And he's already got a plan to make us not, not just profitable or successful in his life. He's got plans to make us in the image of God. He, he's got plans to make us more than we could ever imagine. I have not seen, ears not heard, neither hath entered the heart of the man. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God, God's got this plan, but we're so busy with our ideas, but, but it, do, it doesn't need our opinion. All God's plan needs is to be followed. You know, it would help us to remember that, that everything, everything on this planet, everything is available. It, it is at God's disposal to be used to take care of us. You know, 1 Kings there's a story, First Kings, it talks about Elijah, and man, there's all the great miracles. You know, we know about how he called fire down from heaven, and, and it lapped up the, the sacrifice and the wood and the stones, the water. It lapped up everything because he, he called the fire of God down out of heaven. And we, we know about how he had the 450 false prophets of Baal killed, and he destroyed all the the altars, and we know about chapter 17, how God sent him, and he prophesied that it's not going to rain, nor is there going to be any dew, and, and, and there's, there, there's going to be a great famine because of it. And we know about all those great miracles and what a great prophet Elijah was. We, we know all those things, but, but there's one in chapter 17 that if we're, if we're not careful, we'll miss an incredible miracle. See, see God told Elijah in verse number four, he said, I want you to go down to the brook Cherith. Here's what's going to happen. You've prophesied there's not going to be any rain or any dew, so there's not going to be any water coming down. But the brook Cherith is water. And he said, I'm going I'm to have water there for you to drink. But here's what he said. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Wait a minute. Ravens are scavengers. They don't share. They don't share with their children. <laughs> they, they don't share with each other. They're constantly fighting over stuff. But because they are scavengers, they are designed to do what? Hunt for and find food. And what God said is, I have commanded the ravens, the ones who I have designed to go out and find food, I have designed, I have commanded them to go out and find food and bring it to you. But here's a catch, only at the brook. If you're in the wrong place, you're going to starve to death. Anybody listening? God says, I have a plan for you. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And, and, and I already had a plan for your life. I've already got it laid out. And your blessings at a moment are at the brook Cherith. And if you're at the Jordan, you may be at a great place, but you missed the blessing. 
You, you may be somewhere, you know, the, the blessing comes to where God says. So God says, I've got the raven. I've got these scavengers, and, and, and I've designed them to go out and find food, but I have commanded them to bring it to you. Now, God, God doesn't need our opinion. God doesn't need our advice. God doesn't need our approval. All God needs is for us to trust the shepherd and follow the shepherd. You know, Jesus, in verse number 8 there of Matthew chapter 6, he said that your father knoweth what things you have need of. Now, he knows the things you want too. I know he knows that, not just because he knows my thoughts, because I've asked him over and over and over. You know, I've held on to that, that, that prayer of importunity, right? Where the man came and not, he said, go away, I'm in the bed. Go away, my children are in the bed. And the Bible says, because he kept on knocking because of importunity, he came. So I just, I hold on to that one. Y'all with me? I keep, I keep on asking for things. I'm probably going to get my legs strapped. Y'all y'all ask for stuff? Anybody else ask for stuff? Enough of you didn't ask for anything last night. Well, some of you wearing the wrong color did. <laughs> Sylvia's a better prayer warrior than I am. I know that. I was trying to counsel out your prayers. I knew you were praying. She already told me, so I knew. I was trying to counsel it out. See, we, we, ask, we, we ask God for, for, for stuff, but, but in reality, what he said is if you want the stuff, on down in verse number 33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. He didn't say you can't have stuff. He didn't say there's a problem with stuff. He said get your priorities right. Follow the shepherd. Let the shepherd lead you, and there's going to be green grass. There, there's going to be some things that you need. Now, our, our, text, our text goes on here, and it says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, for, for the sheep that follows the shepherd, it says that his needs are met. Now, now check this out, man. There, there's a good one. In, there's a good one right here in this. He says that you're going to have some green meadows. That's some good groceries, right? And he says, you're going to have some calm streams. You're not going to have to listen to the roar of the white waters. You're not going to have to worry about it if you slip in and it carries you away. And drink. I mean some calm running waters. But you know what he says right there? He, he, he says that there's peace and there's rest. That, that, that's, what it, that's what it says. He maketh me to lie down. Anybody in here could use a little bit of calmness in your life? Anybody in here could, could use a little bit of, I'm sorry, relief from anxiety? Relief from some problems? Re release from some stress? That, that's what he says. He says that if I follow the shepherd, that, that, that he's going to make me to, to lie down. I, I'm going to house a peace. It says that he leadeth me. See, it is the shepherd's purpose to lead the sheep where he needs to be. See, I got a lot of where I wants to be. Right? But, but the shepherd's job is not to find out where I want to be and take me there. The shepherd's job is to take me where, where I need to be. And, and if a sheep is truly 
following the shepherd, he, he doesn't have to worry about what to eat or what to drink or wherewithal or, or what my raiment, my clothes are going to be. He doesn't have to worry about protection from the wolf and the bear and all the enemy and all the problems. That is the shepherd's job. All the sheep has to do is follow the shepherd. See, see one thing about a sheep is Jesus made it clear that, that they know the shepherd's voice. A sheep knows the shepherd's face. He knows, he knows the voice. John chapter 10, verse 26, Jesus told the Pharisees, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them for they follow me. See, <clears throat> many times at, at night, when, when the shepherd was, was moving the herd and he'd take them to a town. And when you get to a town, there was called the sheepfold. The sheepfold would have been a place that would have had walls made of stone surrounded to keep the wolf and the bear out and to keep the sheep in. And the sheepfold had one gate. That's why Jesus said, I am the door. That's what he's making reference to. He is the door. Nothing comes in or out but by him. And so the shepherd would bring his flock and he would put them in and multiple shepherds would bring all of their sheep and they put them all in the sheepfold together. The next morning, you know, some of them have green tags and some of them have red tags and some of them have pink tags. And you had this very long process of trying to sort your sheep out from the other sheep, right? No, they didn't have tags. The shepherd would stand outside the sheepfold the porter or the gatekeeper would move over and the shepherd would call all of the sheep. There may be five shepherd's sheep in there. And he called all of the sheep. And the ones that were his sheep heard his voice and came out and gathered around him. All the others stayed in there because it wasn't their shepherd. We talked last week about quiet time. We must have the quiet time. It's where we learn the shepherd's voice. The, the quiet time where sometimes we stop asking for all the stuff we want and whining about it. They just wouldn't have missed that field goal and we just wouldn't have fumbled on 11. If you just shut up and listen, God has a plan. And, and, and in that quiet time is where we learn the shepherd's voice. And, and when we know the shepherd's voice, we know when it's him giving us instructions to do something. Calling us out. Sending us forth to, to go do things. So, so we have to know the, the shepherd's voice. Now, he says there in verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. But he said, thy rod and thy staff, they, they comfort me. I've never really thought about this before. I, I probably have and don't remember it. I've probably heard messages on it, but I don't remember. Um, I'm, it's probably one of those that I sat in church and, and the preacher preached a message that I should have taken heed from. And by Monday morning, I couldn't remember it. Couldn't remember nothing about it. I, I, I've probably heard it. But if I, I have, I hadn't. I hadn't thought about it un until I was sitting there studying this this week, but, but I thought, why does it say it twice? I mean, rod and staff, isn't that the same thing? They're both a stick, right? So, so I began 
looking at some words and doing some studies, and I went back to where I knew there was a rod in the life of Moses because God called Moses out on the backside of the Midian Desert, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, and he calls him out, and he's sending him back to go deliver his people, and Moses sounds just like me. He's got every excuse in the world why I cannot do that. I can't go over there, and God's trying to persuade him. But in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 2, the Lord was talking to Moses. He said, what is, what, what is that? What, what is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it down on the ground. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. Smart move. The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Said, oh, Lord God, are you sure? He put forth his hand, he caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Now, the word used there for rod means a rod, a staff, or a stick. It's all the same thing. It is the same word that, that, we, that we see used over in Proverbs chapter 22, chapter 23. I'm sorry, the, 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 word, is used, the word that is used there is, is, is a staff or a rod or, or a stick that he used there. But we get a different one in Psalm 23. He, he says rod and staff. So, so the word rod used here in Proverbs 22, 15 uses the same word. It says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. That, that's, that's, that's not the rod that Moses had. That's, that's the rod that, that David talks about. Pro Proverbs 23, 13 says, Withhold not correction from thy child, for if thou beatest him with, with the rod, he shall not die. So the word here that, that David uses is two different instruments. The rod is for correction and protection. And the staff is for support. So, so the shepherd uses the rod for correction. Sometimes we need correction, amen. But he uses it for protection. He uses it to fight off the wolf. He uses it to fight off the bear, to, to fight off the thing. So in the Strong's Concordance, here's what it says. The rod displays authority, power, discipline, and protection. The staff displays care, help, and support. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thy rod and thy staff comfort me. David was comfortable knowing that if I need correcting, the rod's going to correct me. If I need protecting, the rod's going to protect me. And if I need support, the staff is going to hold me up. So he was very comfortable following the shepherd. Now, in, in verse number 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. See, God, God knows what we need. And it says, in the presence of of mine enemies. That means that in spite of them, God's going to bless me. Reality is God can use them to bless you. And even if they hate it, there's nothing they can do about it. Everything and everyone is at God's disposal to take care of you. One of the greatest evidences of it in all the scriptures is in the book of Esther. 
Esther, she's this little Jewish girl who out of nowhere, for no understandable reason outside of the glory of God, becomes queen. Vashti disobeys the king, and so she gets fired. She gets demoted. She's not queen anymore. And so Esther becomes queen over the land. <laughs> She's got an uncle named Mordecai. Mordecai is a very godly man. He prays day and night. He worships. He sets his face for He does everything he's supposed to do. He's a very godly man. And, and the text there in Esther tells us that he sits at the gate coming in and out at, at the king's court. But then there, there's another guy in the story. His name is Haman. And Haman is the king's right-hand man. Haman's a jerk. Haman thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. And he thinks everybody ought, ought to worship him because he's a right-hand man. I mean, he, 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 he's king's right-hand man. I mean, he, 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 he thinks that his stuff is made out of something different than everybody else's. And he's got a problem. He hates Mordecai. So in Esther chapter 3, it says in verse number one that after these things, the king, I, I, I pronounce that Ahasuerus. So my Bible app says Ahasuerus. I assume that computer knows what it's doing. I don't know. So we'll say Ahasuerus. That did the king did Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamaditha, the Agagite, and advanced him in, in his seat above all the princes that were with him. So this is Haman, man. I mean, the king's moving him up, put him at the top of the ladder. And all the king's services that were in the king's gate bowed in reverence Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. So they, they've commanded that you have to reverence him. Everybody said, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Can I tell you as a child of God, you can't bow to anybody else. Our worship goes to God and God alone. Man's ordinance does not matter when it disobeys God's ordinance. We have to obey all man-made laws until they conflict God's laws. But, but it says that, that Mordecai didn't give him any reverence. So in verse number 3, the king's servants, which at the king's gate, said to Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? It came to pass when they spoke daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told him on to see where the Mordecai's matters would stand. For he told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. So Haman hates Mordecai. And his plans are to kill Mordecai, but not just Mordecai. He plans to kill all the Jews because of this stuff. And he puts together this decree, not knowing that the queen is one of them. He puts together a decree to kill all of the Jews. And, and then he tricks the king into signing it. Now in chapter 6, th this is nothing but the Holy Spirit. You, you can slice this up you can be as coincidental as you want. Holy Spirit ever woke anybody up in the middle of the night and had some things to say to you? He ever talked to you, instructed you, gave you some things? Sometimes you don't know what it's about. You just have to get up and read, and sometimes you know exactly what it's about. That, that, that's all this is, because it says in, in chapter 6, verse 1, on that night, just coincidence, right? On that night could not the king sleep. He commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles that they be read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on King Ahasuerus. And, and the king said, what honor and dignity has been done to Mordecai for this? The king's servant that ministered to him said, there's nothing done for him. So the king just happens to be awake in the middle of the night, right? 
And he has somebody reading the dictionary to him. I mean, that he's reading the things of the Chronicles. I mean, how exciting can that be? That's like I'm trying to go to sleep. Read that to me some more. No, what that is, is we know what God woke him up for. We know why he can't sleep. There's something in that chronicle that I'm missing, and God's putting it on my heart. Bring that book in here and read it until I get there. And then while he's reading, he finds out that Mordecai is responsible for saving his life. And nothing has been done for Mordecai. In verse number four, the king said, hey, man, I'm in the time. Look out, look out. Who's in the court? Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. At the exact moment, God has shown about what Mordecai did, and he's wanting to give Mordecai some kind of honor. And then Haman comes in at the same time with plans to hang Mordecai. See, you got to see how God goes before you. You got to see how God works things out ahead of you. You got to see how God is working all things together for good to them who, who love God or are the called according to his purpose. God just, just works all this out. Verse number five, the king's servant said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. The king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Boy, old Haman swells up like a bandit rooster now, boy. <sighs> he, he says in all of his pride in his heart, to whom would the king delight to do honor more than myself? He answered the king, for the man whom the king delighted to honor, let the royal apparel be brought forth, which the king used it the way he said, bring out your royal robe with all of its purple and all of its jewels and all of its stuff. Bring the king's robe and, and put it, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and even the crown, the royal crown. Bring the crown royal, which is set upon his head. Let this apparel and horse be delivered into the hand of one of the king's most noble princes. They may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man." Whom the king delighted to honor. So Haman makes this thing awesome for himself. So he thought, I'm the man. This is about me. I'm going to get the king's robe. I'm going to get the king's crown. I'm going to ride the king's horse. And all of the people are going to bow down and worship me. Verse number 10, the king said to Haman, make haste. Take the apparel and the horses thou hast said. And do even so. To Mordecai the Jew. <laughs> that sitteth at the king's gate, let nothing fail of all thou hast spoken. See, Mordecai didn't just have to go get, I mean, Haman didn't have to go get the stuff for Mordecai. He had to do it. He had to put everything on Mordecai. He had to lead him through the town with all the royal attire on the royal horse. Haman was humiliated. And if that ain't enough, God brings everything else to light so that in chapter 7, verse 9, Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold, also the gallows fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth at the house of Haman. The king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he prepared for Mordecai. 
thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thy, thy rod protects me. Thy, thy staff supports me. Thy love surrounds me. Thy goodness blesses me. There is nothing that God cannot use to bless you. That person that has made themselves your mortal enemy, that hates you, despises you, talks about you behind your back, they are the very ones that God may turn around and use to bless your life, and there ain't nothing they can do about it because everything belongs to God. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over, runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Anybody in here old enough to know what he's talking about, my cup runneth over? Any, any, anybody, some of you have probably done it. I know we always do a lot. Anybody, you fill the cup of coffee so full that you, you put the saucer and you put the cup in the saucer and you fill the cup of coffee so full that it spills into the saucer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, you better raise your hand. You know you're old enough. So, so here's reality. <clears throat> I, I remember I remember some elders would do it. They would fill it up so that it deliberately spilt in, into the saucer. And they, they would even tilt the cup to make a little more spill into the saucer. And they would take their biscuit and dip it in the saucer. I don't know why you don't dip it in the cup. I guess you don't want nothing to break off in the cup. Is that what it was? Somebody older than me help me out. <laughs> Few and far between, right? So, so... That, that they would even take the cup and move it from the saucer. And here's what they said. It's better from the saucer than it is from the cup. I don't know why. Some things just don't make sense. But I know this. What's in the saucer was just the overflow of what was in the cup. And, and God says, I will bless you in a way that, that your cup runneth over. Tim, where you at, brother? Tim, Tim, come, come on, come on, come on. I, I'm, I'm going to get, get Tim to sing us a, a song in a minute. You know, I, I had to be reminded Tuesday morning about surely goodness and mercy. <clears throat> Monday afternoon, Monday evening, we, we were texting and Paul's got so much going on down on the trail, and Dale's got so much going on in about 38 different directions like he always does, and Larry and Sylvia is always swamped and busy. Everybody had so much to do, so we did a few text messages <laughs> on Friday evening, and, and we canceled the staff meeting on Saturday morning. We usually meet at 9 on Tuesdays, and anywhere at 11 or 12 o'clock, we canceled the meeting. So Tuesday morning, I got up at, at 4. Well, actually, I was backside. I got up at 10 after 4. And, and I studied till about 5.20. And then I went and got dressed. And I came over here by the rock altar and, and prayed a little bit. And then I, I went to the woods. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to hunt deer. I said, we don't have a staff meeting. And there is a particular deer who I wanted to have a visitation with. And he, 
He did show up at my stand in daylight last Sunday morning while I was here. I don't know how they know that stuff. <clears throat> but but I, I, I thought it was a really good day for he and I to have a date. And I've got lots of trail cameras out, so I know when he's on the property and when he's not. And the truth is, he stays off the property a lot. He came onto the property Saturday night, caught him coming on the property. He was here, and he was at my stand until a little after daylight, and then he left the property. So on my way over there to stand, I'm flipping through my cameras, flipping through my cameras, and he ain't even on the property. I'm like, I'm going to stay in the cold right by myself. And he ain't even here. And I, I started getting a little bent out of shape because what I wanted seemed like 99.9% .9 certainty it wasn't going to happen. Anybody with me? Y'all know what I want? And, and, and God had to remind me of some things. That deer is not why I hunt. That deer has never existed in my life before this year. He's not the reason I, I go to the woods. He's not the reason I'll get up at four in the morning to study for an hour and a half just so I can go hunting and get out there. It's because that is my quiet time. I absolutely love getting in the stand. I love getting settled in. 30 minutes before daylight, put my hands in my pocket and sit there and don't move. Because the only thing you're going to hear is either the voice of God or the creation of God. That is, if you can get rid of all the trains and the cars and the sirens around here. So I, I love watching creation come to life. You know, usually about daybreak, you're sitting there and all of a sudden you hear one crack off. Oh, 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 oh. oh man, that was cool. And then another one answers him, and they all get to chattering. And, and it's such a unique bird. You never really get to hear them or see them. That's just cool. I love that. Oh. Yeah, they're throwing the doves. Morning gets to breaking. I love it. I love seeing the sunrise. You see the squirrels. Y'all seen a squirrel get out on a limb? They're like your dog. Like, man, that squirrel must be about my age. That's what I look like getting out of bed. I know squirrels was like that. They're so, uh, 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 they have so much agility running around the trees, but they struggle getting up like I do. I see little chipmunks, and man, and I loved it when I could hear better because I could hear the birds. I really love the cardinals. They make so many different, unique sounds, and you just, I, I, you know what I had to be reminded of? My cup runneth over. I, I told Dale and I told Robin that day, I said, I almost let that stupid deer steal something from me. I did. I let it become something that I wanted so much that I began to let it steal my joy. I wanted something earthly so much that I began to miss things that are heavenly. There ain't nothing earthly can create what God does for me sitting out there in that a long time. And man, I had an incredible morning, 15 deer, several bucks, saw two that 99% of most hunters would have been thrilled to death to shoot. Filmed one of them, got it on my phone if y'all want to check it out. I love showing it. He's horned in a tree 15 yards from me. Two little yearlings. I'm having to film them through my stand. Straight up under me down there, sniffing around. I, I, love, I love everything about it. And then sometimes the deer go and leave you alone and it's just you and God. Sometimes you just have to be reminded, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, and, and I don't have to let all of this temporal stuff Get in the way. So I, I've asked him to sing a song because, because it, it came to mind, it came to heart, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Maybe, maybe a couple songs. 
I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to. I know a lot of times I say, hey, we're going to sing or something, and I ask you guys to stand, and I ask if you would to come to the altar and pray. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you for anything. You choose. You choose. See, it's your choice. How close do I want to follow the shepherd? How close do I want to be to the shepherd? I can tell you this. The closer I am to the shepherd, the closer I am to the blessings. And the more I worship the shepherd, the closer the shepherd will be to me. So it's our choice. How close do we want to be? shepherd shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul leading me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake Anybody walking in a valley right now? Anybody got a storm in your life? Anybody going through a trial? You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod of correction, thy rod of protection, Thy staff of comfort and support. All those bring me comfort. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Anybody's cup full? Anybody, God, been exceeding abundantly above anything you could ask or think? Anybody, your cup's running over into your saucer and you sip from the saucer and it just keeps running in. Can I tell you, the more you give out, the more God puts in. God can't bless full hands, but if you'll let go of some stuff and be a blessing to others. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before I pray and we dismiss, can you say that? I know because of the certainty of this book, the word and the authority of this book, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and nothing can take it away. There's no power that can rise up against me. Death and hell has no power or authority over me. I will, not I might, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know that? His name is Jesus. I'm going to ask you for just a minute to bow your head. If you're in here, you're out there. If you don't know that, now is your time. You want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever? His name is Jesus. None other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. His name is Jesus. If you'll just call out to him and 
Just confess your sins. The Bible says there must be a confession of the mouth. Father, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. But I don't want to be like this anymore. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. And I'm asking it in Jesus' name, according to the authority of this book. I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name. If you're faithful to ask him to forgive you, he'll forgive you. If you're faithful to ask him to save you, he'll save you. And then you can say that verse, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because he made the offer. I accepted the gift. I was washed in the blood. And for nothing in and of myself, for no other reason than Jesus Christ, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you so much for salvation. Thank you, God, that we can come to you, children of God. Thank you, Lord, that you said we could come boldly into your throne room of grace where we might obtain mercy. God, that we can even come in there is amazing enough. But the veil is rent that we can come talk to you anytime. You're mindful of our prayers, God, and you hear our prayers. Thank you so much for being such a good and loving and kind and gracious God. Thank you for being such a great shepherd of the sheep, God, that guides us and provides for us and cares for us and leads us and protects us, God. Thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We love you, Father. We thank you. We trust you with everything in us, God. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.